Well, hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review. Mark Pereira, John Pelkey, Derek Abbott joining us today. Jeff Taylor apparently has paying work. Mark and I are still Googling that to see what it means. And, so do uh, you, Johnny. You've got a game tonight, I, my friend. I do. We're doing this a little early because I have to go drive over to Tampa for my COVID test. Nothing like my three times a week, three-hour commute for a 10-second swabbing of the nose and the mouth. But you know what? I'm COVID-free, so that's a good thing. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about here on our final show of 2020. Mark, uh, we've decided we're not going to do a New Year's Day show, probably because you'll just be still stinking drunk from New Year's Eve, and I have to drive to Tampa for a COVID test. So There it is. There it not, is. Not going to be able to do that. But Everyone uh, can just enjoy the football on uh, New Year's Day. When they've got, is This seems to me like the first year, and I could be wrong, that both playoff games are on the first. Uh, I don't remember. I remember them being on New Year's Eve. I think that was the year, the last time Notre Dame was in the mix. I think those were New Year's Eve games because he used to host the uh, Under Armour All-American Skills Competition, and that was always on New Year's Eve. And I think I remember talking uh, to folks over there about that uh, game. That's how you know you're o- old because um, uh, I, I saw players who are now retiring from the NFL <laughs> when they were high school All-Americans and announcing where they were going to go. Um all right, so we a lot to talk about with football. Uh, Derek, I know we're going to get into a little bit of what you think maybe matchups for the playoffs, what good matchups and bad matchups for teams, but a couple of things I want to cover before then. We're going to talk about Drew Locke because I keep getting people who just literally say he should never play another down in the NFL, and then people that we respect, like Greg Cosell, saying, no, 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 that kid's got something. Let's yeah. let's not use let's not use Justin Herbert as the as the standard for people that they have to be like all pro level the first year. The first thing I want to ask you about though, because your Pittsburgh roots run deep, and that team started off like gangbusters, and then it all the bottom fell out. Um, they decided they were going to play a really good half of football uh, to bounce back and get a win this week. From what you've seen from them, they are going to rest people this this week. Um, did they did they catch lightning in a bottle for a game? Did they find something that would work better for them moving forward because they're still struggling to run the football? And I know most people think that might be a problem in the playoffs. Your overview of the Steelers heading into the playoffs at this point, at least offensively specifically. Well, I think they won. Got to get healthy too. Um, they, they obviously had that week four bye. They've been really banged up. Um, I thought that they looked like a tired football team the last couple of weeks. Um, they look exhausted. They look drained. It, it almost like, you know, the, the military term, the, the thousand yard stare is almost what a lot of those guys look like they had. Um, I thought in the second half, it, it really looked like, and you've seen this a couple for really a couple of years now, whenever they go into their two minute and Ben starts calling plays and he does, he starts giving this a lot with, with the over the, over the mouth um, play calls. He really takes over and, and, you know, the offense really starts to move. Um, so I, I think that that has a big component to it. Um, this, them wrapping up the division now really, really helps them because now they can rest, you know, they don't have to worry about getting, TJ Watt or Cam Hayward or, or Ben or James Connor. They don't have to worry about them getting banged up in a, in a division game against Cleveland. Um, they can bench some of those guys, 
use this as their bye week essentially and and go forward because I don't think the two or the three seed really, really matters all that much. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about that. You predicted that they would uh, sit everyone, including the guy who's in charge of fake crowd noise in the state. And once again, you're right. You know, there are articles that came out about how the reason why they exploded in the second half for the first time in, you know, 14 quarters or whatever it was, was because Ben was calling his plays as opposed to the offensive coordinator doing his, uh, you know, par three type of plays, as has been described. (laughs) Um, So if they're resting, folks, Mm-hmm. Do the Bills do the same? And the reason I ask, because the, I think there is a little bit of a difference between two and three. That guarantees you that guarantees you that you don't have to go on the road until you face the Chiefs, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good position to be in, I think, especially if you're a cold-weather team like the Steelers and or especially even the Bills. Uh, but knowing that the you know Ben's going to sit, Connor's going to sit, and the like, do you think the Bills do the same thing? So, because right now the Bills are locked into two if they both lose. So I think that they kind of do the same thing that New England has kind of done in the past where they play Josh Allen, they play a couple of the other guys in the first half, and then no matter what the score is, you just bench them in the second half. Um, It's enough to really kind of get your feet wet a little bit, uh, but not build up too much rust. I think that that's really the most efficient way to manage that. Um, I obviously never played in the NFL and never coached in the NFL, but I, that seems yet. to be like, <laughs> well, definitely not play My knees, my knees would beg to differ about that. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that that's really one of the more efficient ways you can, you can go about this, whether you have them play a couple series, you almost kind of trade it like, um, like that third preseason game where you let them play half and then get the other guys in. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that idea, too, because I do think it is important. And I think you're probably right, because with Roethlisberger, he's been around since, you know, mm-hmm. just after the Civil War. It, it, nothing new. It's nothing new to him. Whereas the Bills, obviously, playoff team last year. But I, I do think that it probably behoove them to keep on a roll. Do, uh, many people now believe that they are playing better than Kansas City. Do you agree with that? And does that, in fact, even mean anything at this point? No, it doesn't mean a thing until January football because, well, the Chiefs are just so freaking explosive on offense. And the the, the best comparison I've seen is to, to the Golden State Warriors from a few years ago that they it just everything just snowballs. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to put 21 points before, you know, you can go get a, a sip of Gatorade, really. They're, they're just that fast. They're that explosive. They make so many big splash plays for the Bills can do that, but I don't think that they can do it to the degree that the Kansas City Chiefs can't just because of their offensive explosiveness. And yeah, it does seem, yeah that, right, Johnny. It seems like they can just turn it on at yeah. any given time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a worry because I think we've seen that from teams before where it's like, you know, they've always been a flip-the-switch team, and I know that a lot of people disagree with that, but they do look like they can they can saunter into a game a little bit and then eventually uh, turn it around. But if you look at their numbers this year to last year, turnover differential points per game, average yards per play, it's almost exactly the same. The mm-hmm. difference is – they were a little bit slower out of the gate last year and got better as the year went on. And this, they seem to have gotten a little slow out of the gate um, this year. All right. Uh, so that, so the, those out of the way, let's jump to Drew Locke before we get into any of this, because again, I, uh, this has just fascinated me because I've heard so many negative things about him and, and full disclosure, I haven't seen a lot of Denver football this year. I mean, I don't think most people, and I watch the red zone uh, and it's frightening when you don't see a lot of a team. Cause you, you only watch when they're about to go into score. Um, uh, a lot of negative stuff on the kid. Um, 
we heard some good things early on. Kendall Gammon, who you know, former NFL player, a friend of your dad's, Derek, and, and ours, uh, former Kansas City Chief. He knows him because his son actually played, I believe, uh, AAU basketball or something with him early on. Um, so I kind of just not really thought a lot about Drew Locke. We heard a lot about mm-hmm. John Elway not finding the right quarterback and blah, 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 all this. And then when Greg Cosell said what he said, and I, I'm that easily swayed by somebody who knows more than we'll ever forget about football, I, I, I asked you if you would take a look at Drew Locke and see if you thought the uh, decision-making on this kid, really, I think it's silly to make it now. What are you seeing from him? What do you expect in the future? I think the ceiling's pretty high, um, but does it worry? Does he worry you at all, as he does so many people? I don't think he worries me as many as uh, as uh, other people would think um, or say. I think that he's a lot better than he's given credit for. Um, he's really have all the traits that you really want a quarterback. He's got a good arm. He can really make every throw. Um, he's athletic. I actually watched some of the uh, the Chargers game uh, on the All-22, the coaches film, and there's a couple plays where he makes out of structure that are really nice plays. Um, so he can make all of those those plays that, that are necessary in today's game. Um, they also have, you know, he, they also went through a ton of injuries this year. Mm-hmm. And I believe Vic Fangio, I think, has lost. They had some stat up where they're like losing games within like the last two minutes of games. So imagine if that's just flipped. So if like th- there's seven games that they lose by, you know, one score um, or one possession games, imagine what the narrative is if the half of those are even flipped. So you really can't put that all on Drew Locke. Um, I think that, you know, just offensively, they they have one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL, Mike Munjak, who they stole from the Steelers. Um, Vic Fangio is a really good defensive coach. Um, they have Pat Shermer as their offensive coordinator. So I think that those building blocks are there for him to continue to progress um, just as long as he stays healthy. But he really has every trait that you would want out of a quarterback in today's game. Uh, really don't know who to compare him to. Um, I've seen like Daniel Jeremiah when he was coming out compared him somewhat to Mahomes. I don't really see the Mahomes comparison as mm-hmm. much, but he does try and make those Mahomes like throws right every now and then. He he obviously doesn't complete them as much as Mahomes does because Mahomes is from Mars. But um, <laughs> I, I would give it at least another year because he didn't start. I don't believe um, out of the gate last year. So, and he was hurt for part of this year. So he's never even played a full NFL season. Right. So yeah, the narrative, true. the narrative in the media to just throw quarterbacks out immediately. is just, I never understand it. And it, and it has so much to do with the structure of the organization, the culture that sit in the development and the people that you put around them, because there's so many guys that just fail. And then people just want to dismiss them and throw them out because, oh, they're a bad quarterback. Ryan Tannehill was basically thrown out of Miami and he's, basically rejuvenated his career in Tennessee and they're going to be a playoff team this year, you would think. And they're one of the better teams in the league. So this, the whole narrative of throwing guys out, I just never buy. Right. And to me, it seems like the little that I've seen from him, the mistakes are kind of uh, understandable mistakes by a kid who has what 15 starts under his belt, 17 Mm -hmm. starts, whatever it is. It doesn't. And that's what, that's what kind of struck me. I guess I bought into the narrative for a while. Um, The other thing that I think that's, that's difficult for folks is that he may end up being the third best quarterback in that division and still be one of the better quarterbacks in football with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in the same Mm -hmm. division. And and I think, uh, and I also think Mark that the fact that John Elway was a quarterback 
Um, everybody thinks he's going to be the quarterback whisperer. It's still the most, diff- in my mind, the most difficult position in all of sports to predict success for. Um, and I think I think he bears the, the, the Elway factor comes into play, too, with Drew Locke. Well, the thing is, is it's after further review, okay? And, and, and Derek brings it up. We, he hasn't had – it is too early to make any definitive conclusions on Drew Locke. Look, look at how we thought of Josh Allen coming into this season. We thought he was a middle-of-the-road quarterback, kind of a middle-of-the-road guy with a middle-of-the-road offense and a pretty good defense, and maybe they get back to the playoffs, but probably not. Right. Okay, it's year three. Derek, uh, you know, Drew Locke has not even had, you know, this is this is the end of year two for crying out loud. And so mm-hmm. we need to give these guys time. And and it's yep. and it's just not the way NFL. And you would think with the rookie salary cap, you would think with the rookie salary cap that we would have moved towards that. We get it when you gave Sam Bradford like four hundred billion dollars yep. in a solid gold house that you're going to have to stick with him for a while. But now that you don't have the uh, the cap, but it's still continuing because today Colin Cowherd was discussing uh, whether or not uh, if Tua doesn't play well uh, this week, that that's pretty much the, the Dolphins should draft a quarterback. I mean, honestly, that's that, that is really stupid. That is really, really stupid. <laughs> He's been bent for a hundred year old Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mark. Right. He clearly exactly. can't play in the league. But that's only because Brian Flores is well reinventing what the quarterback position is, what the head coach position is in terms of dealing with a quarterback. Everyone was saying if Tua ever gets benched, will he ever recover? Will his <laughs> ego ever come back? That you have to you have to treat him with kid gloves. Brian Flores says, listen, if I have a closer in the ninth, if I need a closer in the ninth, I'll go to a closer in the ninth. I mean, that is the kind of coach you want, and Tua is the kind of guy you want in that position who is like all for it. And to your point, John, you've made this point many times. It's a very good one. He was there he's experienced the very thing right happening in miami all right so let's go to our uh, let's go to our playoff scenarios because we love this we do love this and i want to uh ask you derek and uh and here we go right now let's see how we're doing here with this baby there you go oh god technology derek we all apologize we need a nine-year-old if we could get a nine-year-old to deal with the technology we would be great all right so uh we're going to give the Dolphins a win because we're assuming Buffalo may not play their starters for more than a half. Um, and we're going to give the Browns a win at this point in time. So now we've got Buffalo at the second, Pittsburgh at the third seed. Let's talk about the rest of the scenarios. And also we have, uh, you know, our person that was responsible for all of our gigs asking the question right now uh, in our comments about can anybody play Baltimore because as we've all mentioned, they're kind of sneakily the most dangerous team or maybe the team that no one wants to play coming into the playoffs. So we'll address that as well. But talk about this week, Derek, and what kind of playoff scenarios you envision based on ESPN's playoff machine. It's the playoff machine. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers end up somehow pulling out that game against Cleveland um, just because of, Cleveland History. has a tendency to be Cleveland. Yeah, at times. Um, would not be surprised about that. Uh, if, if I'm the Steelers, I probably want to play in the postseason. I probably want a Miami to come up to Pittsburgh and play them just because I think stylistically it matches up well. Um, yeah, you know, obviously all roads go through Kansas City and they're not playing the next week, but that's. 
that's going to be a tough out for whoever gets them. And I think really the team that has the best shot at beating them is Buffalo. Um, I think Tennessee, if they get in there, are an extremely dangerous team. Um, just the way that they can run the ball, other than when they played Green Bay the other night, that I thought that that would be a far closer game than it was. Um, they just never really got rolling. Um, and they struggle to get pressure on the quarterback, and you saw with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to kill you. They did, and, and that's that's really – that that offense is so quarterback friendly to begin with. And to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers pulling the trigger, that's really, really dangerous. So yeah. I think that the, I, I think everybody would want a Kansas city green Bay super bowl. If, if you have no dog in the fight, I think everybody probably wants a Kansas city green Bay super bowl. More um, than the Kansas city, Tampa Bay super bowl. I think it'd be more fun. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just because Tampa is such an interesting team that they're like a heavyweight fighter that they're going to throw a bunch of punches. They're going to miss, but the one that they, the one that lands might knock you out. Um, so you never really know which team is going to show up week in and week out. Are they going to team that puts 40 points up and, and blows people out? Or are they going to lose to a team that they really shouldn't? So you just really don't know But Brady in the postseason, Um, it's really unmatched really. Um, and that's why a lot of people wouldn't cheer for them is that there are a lot of people who don't want to see Brady in another yeah. Super Bowl too. You're going to have that, the fight especially, against that. Especially the region that I happen to live in right now. There's um, Tom Brady jerseys on sale at TJ Maxx for $12.99 everywhere. Um, I think a team that if they, if they end up getting in can do some damage is the Rams, um, as long as they can get Jared Goff healthy and he plays to the same – caliber that he's played um with, with sean mcfay calling plays and everything else and he doesn't get into bad the rams really rely is it good jerichoff or bad jerichoff it's mm -hmm. really jekyll and hyde so they kind of live and die by it even though their defense plays their defense has been playing really really well this year everything well, always comes back to golf it does and their defense is i think uh in terms of yards allowed or points allowed um one of those two categories they're number one actually in the nfl but they may not even get past Arizona this week. Yeah. Can they beat Arizona without Goff, who's not going to be playing? Well, I did just see they uh, re-signed Blake Bortles um, over the well, night. There's so, your answer, clearly. So, so, so the boat is back. Um, <laughs> so that, that should be interesting. But really, if, if you had to pick an offense that you could really just plug and play a quarterback, I think it's this one. I think it's the Shanahan one. I think it's – the, the offense is really that I've been raving about on this show probably more than I should. I sound like such a homer, but um, th those are such quarterback friendly offenses that rely on a lot of boot and play action stuff that if you get a guy that just understands what he needs to do on a play and just be kind of a point guard and, and distribute the ball where it should be and don't turn the ball over, you're going to win games. Um, but see, I don't know if I agree with that, Derek, to tell you the truth, because Nick Mullins was plugged into that situation in San Francisco. And there was a couple of weeks there where they were, they were almost perfectly healthy uh, mm -hmm. outside of their center. And, you know, which of course is a big, big position, but uh, they were, they, they didn't have Kittle, but they had Ayuk, mm -hmm. they had Debo, they had uh Mostert, Mostert um, and, 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 and Jusek or uh, Jusek. I can't pronounce his last name at any rate, Jusek. but he would, he would be a turnover machine. He would mm -hmm. throw interceptions he would yep. he would fumble, and if Garoppolo was in there doing those weeks, they probably would have beaten Washington. They probably would have been more, much more competitive against Buffalo. They probably would have uh, won a couple. Of, they probably would have beaten Dallas. 
I think Garoppolo wins you games. I mean, I do think the quarterback matters in terms of I'm, I'm not sure Bortles can can deliver um, the way Goff has. I'm not sure. I mean, I, 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 you know, you're the expert, but this is certainly in terms of watching the 49ers. It's not it's not quarterback proof that system. I think it's quarterback friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any system that's quarterback proof. I mean, the, like going back to Blake Bortles, there one bad call on a Miles Jack fumble recovery away from going to the going to the Super Bowl and playing the Eagles. So, you know, I, I, obviously you have a lot to build around. But the Rams, at least, um, Daryl Henderson going down in that Seattle game obviously hurts, um, just because they were kind of a running back by committee. So Cam Akers will have to step up. Malcolm Brown will have to step up in that game. Um, I would trust the backup quarterback for the Rams more than I would trust the backup quarterback for the Cardinals just mm-hmm. because of the system that they run. And it's easier. I'm not saying that it's in the, you know, this foolproof offense. I think that it's just easier to drop and drop a guy in there and have him understand what needs to be done just because of the yes. thinking and, and the, the all McVeigh essentially doing all of the hard work and especially to a lot of their offense in Arizona relies on Kyler Murray's legs, um, him being able to make plays out of structure. That's not really reliant in the Rams offense. Yeah. And you make a really good point Bortles and Jalen Ramsey, uh, strangely enough. I mean, that, that Jacksonville team, that was kind of at that point, Blake Bortles was asked to take care of the football, not turn the ball over. And he played relatively solidly for a very, very good Jacksonville team, which seems like a million years ago that they had a really good team. Matt's bringing up our once and future boss, uh, fingers crossed, Matt bringing up the fact that he, uh, that the bills have a little bit of a weak run defense. And in the scenario that we're looking at right now, if the games play out, they would foot face, a Baltimore of the teams that the Bills are looking at, because I think, you know, we were all on the Bills bandwagon. They've played on national television, I believe, three weeks in a row now. Everybody's gotten to see them. Josh Allen looks amazing. Of the teams that they might face, Miami, Tennessee, Indianapolis, is it Baltimore? Well, Baltimore may be this for everybody, but is that the team that you think had, would uh, give them the most problems? Most likely, yeah, just because of the way that Baltimore likes to play stylistically. Um if, if you don't have good run discipline and don't know how to read some of what Baltimore does, um, it could really cause some issues. Um, I think their Baltimore is, you know, healthier. They don't, don't have COVID. I think everyone survived. Um, so that's, that's always unlike good. Cleveland, which is still yeah. COVID people. God, that's such a weird story. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I probably Baltimore would give them the most fits, but then you have the, you know, you have a division rival in Miami that they could play that obviously Miami knows them. So they play them often. Um, and then they would play them, I think back to back weeks if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's where you're almost like, if you're Buffalo, okay, how do we really want to play this? Do we want to put Josh Allen in and basically have him play eight quarters against the, against the dolphins? Um, in back-to-back weeks, or do we want to put the backups in, not show anything, and then kind of unroll out everything the next week? So I think it's just a week-to-week basis. But I think that um, Baltimore would certainly give them issues. Um, Indy has a potential, too, just because they have such a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as, you know, Ben is in calling place for the Bills, they should be okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, so we've got these scenarios right now, and what I've done is I've assumed – are we assuming that Green Bay is going to beat Chicago? You, yes. Um, okay, if we're so. assuming that. We're assuming New Orleans will beat Carolina. Um, we're going with the, the Rams beating the, the Cardinals, 
And we're also going the other big game in terms of playoff scenarios is the the uh, the footballers beating the Eagles. So you see those setups in the in the NFC. Let's go quickly back to the AFC, though. And Indianapolis going to Pittsburgh uh, with that defense that Indy has. Um, how do you how do you how do you see that rolling out? I mean, I know you think Pittsburgh obviously has an advantage. It's in the cold. It's out of a dome. I think that's a big big advantage for the Steelers. But Indy has a great defense, but they just Indy has them. like an outdoor has more of an outdoor team really playing it indoors the way they play uh, the game. Mm-hmm. Frankly, so and, and that's true. I mean, is it is it a weird thing then to have them play two out of the last three games? Does that give Indy any advantage? I think it does just because of now that they've seen what Roethlisberger can do and that no huddle stuff, you know, the defensive coordinator talked about how they had run stuff that they had never seen before in that second half, just solely because Roethlisberger was pulling the trigger um, and and calling plays on the fly, essentially. So they're obviously going to have a game plan for that and be ready for it. Um, So essentially now you're really preparing for two offensive coordinators uh, instead of just one. So you basically have your Ben contingency package and then you have the Randy Finger contingency package. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that actually does play into Indy's favor just because I think that Indy is such a, an interesting team mm-hmm. just because of the way that they play. Um, they're able to run the ball effectively and they play really good defense. So I, I think that that would not bode well for the Steelers if they had to play them in the first first round again. Um, just the way that they got after them. Now, defensively in the second half, the Steelers played outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, even even some of the plays, and the Steelers' defense do take risks sometimes. Um, they're also, if they can get a little bit healthier, especially at the linebacker spot, which in the last couple of weeks, if you've noticed, um, last week I believe they had a like strong safety playing the inside linebacker position against the Cincinnati Bengals just because they were out of linebackers, legitimately out of linebackers. So, I think like it all comes down to this week that if they can get guys that are healthy, that know what they're doing um, and, and they can execute their assignments, Stewart's defense could be back into form. So now which team are you going to get? Are you going to get the second half Steelers or are you going to get the first half Steelers? So, and you're not going to see anything out of this week that I think is going to give them any sort of momentum going into the postseason. And you made a, you made a point also that that offense that they ran was essentially a two minute offense, four minute mm-hmm. offense, whatever you want to call it. And everybody, you know, that's the it's the old tired canard about those of us who don't know that much about football just always go, well, if if that works, then why don't you just run that twenty four seven three sixty five? Doesn't doesn't quite run, uh, work that yeah. way. And uh, I just want to shout out to Frank Reich because I think Frank Reich is a very undervalued coach. And uh, the rumor now coming down the mill, what people are talking about is that perhaps Carson Wentz uh, is Carson Wentz when he plays in a Frank Reich offense. So uh, if he's on the move, Indianapolis with a 90-year-old Philip Rivers, who has play, has been the good Philip Rivers for most of this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and uh, good for him uh, that maybe that's a, a, a place that uh, Wentz could go. The AFC is so interesting. Let's jump to the NFC for a minute. We, we talked a little bit before. Uh, I'm not as optimistic about the Washington Football Club winning. I actually think my money's on the Giants to win that division. But um, what we did talk about before, Derek, and you can briefly go over, is Washington's offense. If they have Alex Smith, maybe they can put some points on the board. Otherwise, I think it's it's tough. But defensively, they match up pretty well against Tampa Bay because they can get all the pressure that they can get. Um, 
outside of the Washington defense scoring 14 points, is there any way that you see, though, that the football team could beat this Tampa team? Well, I think that that's one, is that the um, th- that pressure up the middle, because that's really been the recipe throughout all these years of, of how to beat Tom Brady. Um, internal pressure, only being able to get there with four players or four rushers, that's really how you beat them. Um, offensively, I think it's going to be an uphill battle, um, just because I think Tampa's defense is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, it might be tough. Um, I would like to see Washington get in just because I think it'd be a great story with Alex Smith and um, him really coming back. I think he solidified the comeback player of the year award the minute that he stepped onto a field. Yeah. Um, yeah. No but but it, again, if Alex Smith does play, I think that they are they're They have potential to, 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 you know, win, win that Tampa game and, and really shake up the, the NFC postseason just because I think that Alex Smith is a pretty damn good quarterback and, they're able to, they have the recipe to beat Tom Brady. So Johnny, it's so funny because earlier in the week we were talking about the Washington football team and mm-hmm. you thought for sure they were going to uh, beat the Eagles and um, there it is. And now it's the closer it is. Mm-hmm. See, this, this is, this is part of John Palkey's pathology is that I think this is a lot of fans, Mark. I don't think it's just me. That the closer to the game, the more sandbagging happens. I yeah, agree. I, 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 think, I think that's probably not just unique to John Pelkey. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So what, what I want to bring up, Derek, is that you've got, you've, got Tamp, uh, you've got Washington, actually. You've got Seattle. You've got New Orleans. And you've got Green Bay. Those are the f- top four seeds in the NFC. Is there a matchup, realistically, uh, with any of those matchups that we have out there, where you see those top four teams getting upset in the first round, obviously green Bay is not going to play in the first round. So the top three teams in the first round getting upset. Well, I think, <laughs> I think, I think whoever Seattle plays, Seattle always has a tendency to have a stinker here and there. Um, I don't think it'll be in the postseason, but every now and then um, Seattle, their, their defense ends up, you know, not even knowing who they are and, and, do some really outlandish things. Um, and then Russell Wilson ends up having a stinker of a game or something like that. And then Seahawks Twitter goes absolutely bonkers, um, which they're an interesting fan base on, on the internet. Um, <laughs> what do they do? Mark hates them. Yeah, when they go bonkers, what do you mean by that? Do they go after Russell Wilson ever? Yeah. They, it, it, well, you know, they basically bullied the Seattle staff into letting Russ cook. Um, and then when it didn't work, they were like, why are we still letting Russ cook? And it's like, well, this is what you wanted. <laughs> this is what you asked for. The worst um, fans ever. Mark hates them <laughs> so much. So much he hates them. 12th man, Mark. They're the 12th man. They're the, they're the 12th man. Apparently, according to Derek, they're like the third man on the coaching uh, tree as opposed to the 12th man. Yes, they, they are. are. It is funny because right, at, right after all that happened, Russell Wilson trademark let Russ cook like five minutes after – you know, they had like, you know, this explosion on offense at whatever game that they was, the Minnesota game, the Monday night game, like two minutes later, Russell Wilson's posting something on Instagram or Twitter that he's in a kitchen cooking and it's trademark now and he's making aprons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that I want to ask you about the Seattle defense because they have been pretty mm-hmm. remarkable over the last, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight games. Now, we did talk about this either last week or the week before. Four of those games came against the AFC East and the yep. NFC East. 
and uh, so that's a little bit easier if you're playing the Patriots, the Jets, the uh, you know the Giants, and I think the Redskins at one point with Seattle. So I don't, I don't know how much we have to take into, but Jamal Adams is is healthy as well, mm-hmm. and so I just I just uh, wonder if we're underestimating that defense coming into the playoffs. Well, they, they were my Super Bowl pick, but you are right; they they haven't been playing very very top notch offenses so you wonder how real it is that defense and you know maybe it's just for confidence they, they have their confidence back after playing the jets um or whoever it is <laughs> whoever it is i mean i mean and, and that's that's really a thing that you get kind of these i mean in practices they call it feel good friday where they tell the, the scout team quarterback to purposely throw picks to a defense it's feel good friday so that could have been a feel good game for them that they kind of get back under a roll that i'm telling you that's a thing um, i had to do it my freshman year and i absolutely refused to do it oh god that, i mean <laughs> they're I like can't, just throw I, an interception to the defense i'm like how does that help us right yeah i can't you imagine my high school coach even like giving into that. And he had no idea what he was doing. Uh, rest in peace, Mickey. Uh, we miss you. Um, <laughs> it, let, it, it, I have a difficult time getting a handle on Green Bay. I think everybody has. I mean, obviously the Aaron Rodgers story, uh, they're going to be m- most likely. Uh, I, I don't think they've sewn it up, but they're going to be your number one seed. Uh, matchup wise for them, who, who do you look at and say, this is a team that would give Green Bay the most difficulty? Well, I say think Tampa. Tampa. Say Tampa. <laughs> I was going to say Tampa, yes. And it's funny that I just talked about Seattle maybe laying a stinker. Seattle might give them issues too. Now they'd have to go into Lambeau and do it. Um, but Tampa too, because you know, I don't think that Tom that's not gonna bother Tom Brady going into cold weather into Lambeau. Um mm. he played in Foxborough his entire career, so obviously that doesn't bother him at all. Um, but just because Tampa has the like I said, they're kind of like a heavyweight boxer that they can always throw throw a haymaker and really drop some points on some people. Um, it's just really a week to week basis. And I think that they match up well against, um, against the Packers. Take the over. Always. Yes, no doubt about that. All life's, right. Life's, life's too short to bet the under. <laughs> I like that. That's a great, great shirt to walk around with or a coffee. Mug. Take the under on the Philadelphia Washington game this week though, folks. Good. That could be, that could be three to two. I think it'll be a lower score. Could be a lower score than a Nationals Phillies game. I'm saying that's all I'm saying, right? He has. He's he's been saying that for a while now, and I think it, it could be very accurate. Well, we've kind of touched on Baltimore, Buffalo. We've touched on Indy, Pittsburgh, but we haven't talked about the matchup that we have predicted based on Week 17 results, which would be Miami at Tennessee. How fun would this be? Ryan Tannehill faces his old team. Uh, the Dolphins have been. Probably the biggest surprise this year, I would say, perhaps. Uh, And um, against the Tennessee Titans, who none of us expected to be back in this position, possibly, you know, possibly at a at a record of, you know, 11 and five, which is a very solid record. So who do you who do you see in this one? Two 11 and five teams. um, I mean, I think Tennessee would have the advantage, but. Miami's been sneaky, and they have a one-two punch, which you can't prepare for because the two quarterbacks are totally different. So different, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. One one is a gunslinger. The other one is a lot of RPO stuff, and it, they're not the same quarterbacks at all. I would still give the edge to Tennessee just because I think Tennessee's ability to run the football, even though last week they were held to only 94 yards where Derrick Henry was, which is still you know six yards away from a 100-yard game, mm-hmm. and you know that's bad for Tennessee. <laughs> um, 
I think Tennessee's ability to run the football, especially, you know, in January, I think you saw it last year when they went to Baltimore and they beat them. Um, you know, it's, it's just that time of year that you, you got to have the ability to run the football, especially when the weather turns, um, the game would be in Nashville, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, maybe it, maybe it's a little bit colder, you know, Miami's a, obviously they're playing games in the eighties in Florida in December. So it's mm-hmm. not the same. Um, so I think that, I just think that Tennessee just brings a whole level of physicality, um, especially in the run game. Now the, their ability on defense to, to, to really stop their secondary is really struggling. They haven't had a great pass for us this year. So should Ryan Fitzpatrick get into the game, um, you know, he might have, might have a little boot of the day uh, and bring them back again for the 4,000th time. Um, I, Greatest folk I, hero of my lifetime in football. I'm Greatest folk hero. I think he entered the league when the Dead Sea was only sick. Um, <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So Out of he, Harvard, by the way. Yeah. So. But not, not too often you see some stuff like that. But I think that Fitzpatrick could give them some issues. Um, just the Tennessee secondary has kind of struggled this year. Um, and then not, you know, obviously having a pass rush at all um, really hurts them. Yeah. And what there, there's a chicken in the egg uh uh, question as well is that did that secondary struggle because we've as we've talked about their inability to get uh, to get to the uh, to get to the quarterback so that's really their their big bugaboo all right before we let Derek go and uh, as always our favorite segments on the show when Derek are here and Mark and I'll tap dance through the rest of the show once this is over and try to come up with something uh, interesting to say I want to ask you this question because I sent Mark a uh, a great article on Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs who is a guy who's been on the short list for coach for a, a long time now and he's certainly there mm-hmm. this year um, I have been uh, outspoken in my distaste for Trevor Lawrence though most of that's pretty much of an act um, I already I said to Mark I thought Eric Bieniemy, with his experience with Patrick Mahomes and what they do there might be the perfect mix for a Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. As a as a former uh, college quarterback, as a as a college football coach, knowledgeable guy, is that a marriage? Knowing what you know about the offense in Kansas City and what Trevor Lawrence does, that you think might be a good move for Jacksonville? Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, anywhere where you can have the ability to coach Trevor Lawrence, I mean, <laughs> that, but I think pretty... I think he would benefit from the enemy as well. Oh, abs- absolutely. Just because I think Eric the enemy, I, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he has not gotten a job in the last two years. I, I mean, it's 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 a crime, really. Um, he is one of the better play callers or if not the best play caller in the National Football League. Um and then, you know, it's so good, so much so that even as the quarterback coach for the Chiefs is now getting attention for, you know, head coaching and coordinating jobs. So that should just tell you right there uh, how, how good he is. But I think that that's a really good spot. I think on the short list for, for the enemy, too, is, is the Houston Texans as well, um, just because of Deshaun Watson and what he can do and, and how good um, he, he is with, with really no talent. He's been playing at an MVP level this year with just nobody around him. Um, but in terms of Jacksonville, I mean, they, I think they have a ton of cap room. $100 million, and, 11 draft choices, yes. and the overall so, number one pick. And, Pretty- and that's why that's why I said that I think that that's really the, the, the number one job. And I don't know when the last time anybody's been able to say that Jacksonville has been the number one job for general managers or head coaches or quarterbacks, really. But I think that this is it, that – 
they have it they have the ability to go win pretty quickly they already have the, one of the younger teams in the nfl so and there's talent there the people who don't is. get to see them there's talent on that football team there is there they week in and week out and doug Marone does a great job i mean that's not a team that has completely just given up and quit right um so Doug Marone still has a job, so you know they might bring him back. You never know, but possibly. I, and and we should point out that Eric sleeping with the enemy has uh, bloodlines with San Diego, and that may be an open job too. And coaching Justin Herbert, I tell you what, I think it's great for the enemy because I agree with you. He should have been a head coach prior to this, but mm -hmm. the fact that he may be staring at making a decision between coaching a team with Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, Justin Herbert, or Deshaun Watson, it, it, it may benefit the enemy in the end because if that he has. Is. That, that he has position been solidified. That he's yeah. been shut out thus far. It may be the, the best thing for him. We'll see how good the NFL is with this. They got a D-plus rating in uh, diversity hiring for head coaches. They have an F rating for general managers. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And Eric Bieniemy is uh, clearly qualified. And we forget that he was a running backs coach. He got to yep. Minnesota and he coached up Adrian Peterson. Mm -hmm. when he was 22 years old and basically was the guy behind that Hall of Fame career. He gets to Kansas City. Jamal Charles has some great years. And then he coaches up Kareem Hunt when he first gets there. So he has some real experience offensively from the ground up, if you will, pardon the pun. Exactly. And uh, he'd be a great fit in any of those locations. I, I think, but too, I'd love you to could see him at Jacksonville. I think, too, you could just tell the buy-in from the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, they have a bunch of talent and everything, but the buy-in that that offense has to believe in what they're doing in a week-in and week-out basis, obviously, Andy Reid has a lot of say in that. Um, but but the way that they're able to just pull plays from 1935 or or just scheme up some old college plays and, and their their willingness to think out of the box and their creativity yeah. and, and really find plays from – from all spaces of football. I think that that's such an important part. Now, I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, an NFL coach would kind of scoff at a college coach and a college coach would scoff at a high school coach and a high school coach would scoff at a, high, at a pop Warner coach. But the reality is, is that football is still football. So the, the ability and the want to learn from all different levels, I think is so important and, and really nobody does that better than the chiefs. No, and the reason we see these RPOs and a lot of this option stuff is because that's what high school quarterbacks, all of a sudden high school coaches won mm -hmm. with it, college coaches won with it. So it, it builds from the ground Absolutely. up. It's trickle up. It's trickle up in the in, in the NFL. Well, I, I get I I still get advice from my dad. I text guys that I worked with in in the high school or or they coached me. I'm like, hey, how would you block this? How 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 do you think you would do this? How how would this maybe benefit? How how do you like running power? How do you like running counter? And then, you know, hey, obviously asking some of the guys in the NFL, hey, how do you guys do this? How do you like to do this? Obviously, that's a different animal because we don't have any, you know, six foot five, 200 and, you know, 90 pound guards walking in a Coast Guard just because, you know, they're hard to fit on a boat. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, wow, you call it a boat, not a ship, <laughs> even. My goodness. Boat, boat ship, cutter, cutter. I'm learning <laughs> all the words. Cutter. Now. There it cutter. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I got, I got them all. Um, it's going to be to your point, Johnny. You know, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of offensive. There's going to be a lot of coordinators gone after this year, and it's going to be interesting how the teams uh, adjust to that. Obviously, Robert Sala uh, for the Niners, the DC, he's going to go somewhere. Uh, is it is it uh, is it uh, DeBall? Is that his name in uh, Buffalo? Dayball. Offensive coordinator Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball. Yep. He's gone. There's no there's no way he stays. The way that team has exploded this year, and that's yeah. going to you know Stephon Diggs. 
literally the press conference says, I'm not going to say anything good about him because I want him to stay <laughs> right here. So yeah. it's going to be interesting yeah. how these teams adjust to these coordinators. That I think I think you saw just not even coordinators, two position coaches and, and quality control guys, too. I think that there's going to be a ton of movement this year just because I think there was a little bit of a halt last year because of COVID. They couldn't yeah. get anybody into the buildings. Um, a lot of teams and they just ended their you know, their, their internship programs. It was like, Hey, we can't really interview anybody. Cause we can't, we have no idea what's going to happen. We got to figure out how to have a season. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, that coaching carousel and, and front office carousel kind of got backlogged into this year. Good so point. I think that you're going to see a lot more movement um, just, just throughout staffs and whether guys are out of the league or changing jobs within the league or going yeah. to colleges. Um, there's actually been a lot of movement in college far more than I thought that there would be just because because of the COVID stuff. And it's so hard to really judge a coach. How are you going to judge a coach during a pandemic that only played six games? Right. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's social media that they pressure these guys, alumni and stuff, pressure people into, into firing them and moving on. But, you know, you always got to think what, what, what's, what else is out there? Yeah. You know, that's great. Yeah. You, Be careful great. what you wish for. Yeah. Great. You fired somebody, but who are you going to replace them with? Right. It's like when they take a poll before an election and it's like a generic Democrat versus a somebody who's a named Republican or vice versa. The generic mm-hmm. person also wins. And it's like, well, that's great. But eventually that generic person has to actually be a have person. a name. Yeah. And it's I just think it's going to be a lot of fun because how often do you have coaching changes uh, where you have like Houston, San Diego, where you have a solidified quarterback play and uh-huh. you're still bringing a new coach. And normally that's the thing that the coaches have to do. They have to settle on that. It's going to be really, really interesting as is Matthew Stafford to, uh, to the new England Patriots, which apparently is the, that's the hot take for everybody is that Matt Stafford's headed to the new England Patriots and Robert uh-huh. Sala will then have to find a quarterback once he gets that head coaching job. Cause that's probably going to be his, or maybe they should bring back Jim Caldwell who actually went to the playoffs with the same players that Matt Patricia finished for. And he's another one. Marvin Lewis is another, one that should have a yep. job these are all really really high level coaches that that should be working right now and they just yeah. aren't let's see yeah. if you get you can raise your grade to a d <laughs> yes. or a c minus yeah NFL. well maybe a c maybe a solid c let's see if we can I've, been, I've, been, I've been saying that they need more puerto rican coaches and i think i know a guy yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we would be 100% with that. Hey, Derek, man, thanks so much. As we move into the uh, next year, having you on the show has been certainly a highlight for us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we have not shown any of your pictures as a child yet on the show. Uh, I'm so thankful. <laughs> well, time bees are coming, my man. <laughs> we might have to do that. But have a happy new year, and we'll talk to you in 2021, man. You as well. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been awesome. Let's keep it rolling next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. Great stuff. Great stuff as always. And yeah, Mark, I tell you what, I'm going to go back to that again and again and again, that uh, coaches this year are going to walk into positions, 11 draft picks, a hundred million under the cap. And Trevor Lawrence is probably what you're going to get at Jacksonville. And to Derek's point, you know, I am not a big fan. And I think we've seen this of teams that uh, with uh, overturning their coaches on a, on a frequent basis, but if somebody goes there and by year three, isn't a playoff team, then they're probably a guy you want to shuttle out the, uh, you want to shuttle out the door because uh, that is attractive. And the idea, how many guys are chomping at the bit for Justin Herbert, who has just been and, remarkable. And that's the Warren. least hot seat out there of all the really hot seats. We've talked about San Diego. I think Lynn has a, 
outside shot of keeping that gig. I, 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 don't, I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback from that. I think people are kind of looking at that as a 50-50 if he could get out. I think uh, to Derek's point about the pandemic this year, and I think it's a, it's a well-made point that a lot of changes didn't happen probably coaching-wise, free agent-wise as well, because people didn't know with the pandemic. And I think, and you and I talked about this before the season and before baseball and everything, can you really wait um, what people's uh, results were this season at 100% that you would in a normal season? I don't think you can. No, I, I think some guys have looked better. I think their coaches who have been more fluid and have dealt with the COVID things and uh, and done better – general managers as well in front offices. But I think you have to take that into account. And, and, and you're right, that uh, San Diego team, they're just sort of like, they're sort of like John Gruden's Raiders, but throughout the whole season, was it just, they, they're, they're letting games slip away from them, um, showing signs. But, uh, you know, in a Patrick Mahomes and a uh, in a division where you, you've got some pretty good football teams, um, the Raiders included, and Derek Carr's played very well this year. Um, how patient will San Diego be? But I know there are a lot of coaches who are probably chomping at the Justin Herbert bit. Yeah, I agree. But I look, I look at your point, uh, Jacksonville, hundred million dollars, eleven draft picks, the first draft pick, Trevor Lawrence, the overall and, number one. Yeah, you know, you get, uh, you're in, a, you're in a position uh, if um, Mr. Khan is smart. He hires a one-two GM coach combination, signs them for six years, and by definition gives them time. Yeah. Even if their first couple of years they don't get quite off the Schneid. Because but by year three, build, but by year three, you better you better show some improvement. It is the year where you need to be at least a playoff contender mm-hmm. with that kind of start going in. And to your point, it's already a pretty young team with some talent on there. And but you need you need to give your coach and your GM, and this is what the Niners did. This is what Jed York did. You know, you need to give them some security so they feel like they can build the team without looking over their shoulder. Yeah. And uh, a good uh, blueprint. They've done a nice we we picked on the Yorks and you did for a long time. There were decision making things going on there. And none of us really ever no one ever really figured out the whole Harbaugh situation. I, I think at least to my to my knowledge, it still seems like there are some unanswered questions about where that went wrong. But you're right. In, in the interim, they have made some good, good choices. And that's a team decimated by injuries this year and a lot of things. But they're another team where I think week in and week out, people are like they're, they, they play hard. It's interesting that Derek said that about Jacksonville and Doug Marone. I think Doug Marone was dealt uh, probably a fairly poor hand in what front office movement. And I don't know how responsible he is for that. Um, but, uh, you know, can you imagine being Doug Marone? And it's like next year you could have Trevor Lawrence, 11 draft picks and 100 million under the cap. But you know what? We're, we're going to go with somebody else. I just hope and this is not because I have anything against him. I think he's a terrific coach. I certainly appreciate what he did for the University of Florida, but I think hiring Urban Meyer would be a mistake. And why do you feel that way? I just don't. I think I want somebody who has NFL pedigree mm-hmm. running NFL offenses and dealing with they are there. There's a lot about uh, college football coaching. I believe that's more difficult when it comes to recruiting. I think that takes up a lot more of your time. It it it, it is a. a it is a much it is a, obviously a huge piece of the pie in college football as we've seen i want a guy who's 
who's an NFL guy. I want Eric Bieniemy in Jacksonville as a as a moderate Jacksonville fan. I think there are some other coaches as well who could do who could do well there. But that just seems to Derek's point a guy who has no problem with being fluid with what they do. That offense is as multiple as any offense in the NFL and the things that they do. They have a once-in-a-generation quarterback. Okay, I'm not asking that Trevor Lawrence be Patrick Mahomes, and he probably won't be, but I think he would benefit from that because he has a skill set where he can work out outside of script as well, off script. Um, so I just think that's that's great. Eric Bieniemy is not going to get away from a head coaching. He won't be able to run away from a head coaching job unless he's offered ones that he doesn't want to take. And like I said, with Deshaun Watson, maybe Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, too many attractive jobs out there. And Sam Darnold for that point, because there are a lot of people who feel he has just not benefited because he hasn't had good coaching as well. No, I don't think very, very interesting. Doug Marone, uh, you know, had was 15 and 17 with the Bills. So he was fired after a nine and seven year, which was, is a little curious. Yep. And then, of course, he had the one ten and six season where they got to the championship game. It got very close to the Super Bowl, actually, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But in the last three seasons, they've won 12 games. Yeah. So I'm not sure 2020 is well, they lost a lot of guys too. the front office. They lost Jalen Ramsey. There was remember, remember that defense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carried them. I mean, it was the 2000 Baltimore yeah. Ravens again. And uh, they lost so much talent off of that defense. They all wanted out of Jacksonville. Small market city. It's a tough sell. Shad Khan, I think, is a bright guy. Um, and I think, uh, but I, I really think that uh, my worry is the Urban Meyer thing. And I, it, you know, maybe Meyer will have success. Certainly it has happened. Guys have. But my worry is because of his success at Florida, I think one of the reasons Blake Bortles ended up there, and a lot of people would have drafted him, certainly, was because he was a University of Central Florida guy. They also have a history of drafting guys out of Florida, Florida State at times. It's it's almost the regional thing that you go back to if you look at the history of the NFL in like the 40s and 50s when you know they would look in street and smith's all american list and that's how they prepare for the draft and it's like well this guy went to tcu uh don meredith went to tcu certainly we want the cowboys want him because you know he'll put butts in the seats uh so that worries me a little about jacksonville but i will continue my one man uh, uh campaign to get eric the the jacksonville jaguar job Right. I, I, I think it's more than one man at this point in time because I'm I'm on that bandwagon as well. And I Excellent. think you're right. He's going, he's going to get a job and, uh, you know, the NFL will go from a D plus to a C minus, perhaps <laughs> in uh, their diversity hiring. We, we had a game uh, speaking of uh, college and not transferring well to the NFL. But we had a game uh, last night in Orlando, Johnny. Yep. Uh, you know, it's starting it, it's starting to get into the cool bowl time of year yeah late, late december late december the cool bowl times the good bowl sad the good sad. Bowl. sad yesterday though with the eric king from miami getting the uh the injury i believe a torn meniscus um he has been one of the most dynamic players in college football and i think you know has the talent to put miami back where i think we would all like to see them as a top 10 team i think college football is better when they're a consistent top 10 team certainly um he hurt himself yesterday but miami put up a good fight with their backup quarterback and they were chucking the football um uh, around there a little bit with him um Oklahoma State obviously comes out with a with a good uh, with a good win in that bowl game for the Cowboys. And then last night we saw the same sort of situation with Sam Ellinger at Texas, who injured his shoulder. Uh, he's a guy with a ton of talent who hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, uh, their backup quarterback, though, they had the redshirt freshman kid came in just 
chucking the ball all over the place. Um, so, yeah, the bowl games are heating up a bit. I believe Wake Forest and Wisconsin happening even as we speak. Last I saw Wake Forest was up by uh, two touchdowns in that game. But we wow. move into tonight's Cotton Bowl, which yep. uh, uh, Florida and Oklahoma sure, it's a, it's yep. a replay of the 2009 National Championship game. Urban Meyer, I believe, is final championship at the University of Florida. Yep. Um, uh blew out Oklahoma that night, um, which was unexpected. Without Kyle Pitts, um, Kyle Trask takes more on his shoulders. The uh, The defense of Oklahoma is a very good defense, and I think they can slow down Florida's offense a little bit. But we saw in the SEC championship game that Florida can uncork it against a good defense. That's a good Alabama defense. Uh, I think the bigger question is, can the Florida defense, which I have been – upset about since the opening game of the season. I believe it was Ole Miss. Watched it just after I did the only job I'd have prior to the one that I have now in Lakeland. Um, uh, That defense gives up way too many big plays. They've been terribly, terribly inconsistent, even against the run. I, I, you know, if if Florida wins, it's going to be a shootout because I don't think they're going to stop Oklahoma, frankly. Probably not. And Oklahoma's defense is better than Florida's in my mind, or they're playing better at this point, certainly. Right. But I mean, Florida's offense is pretty darn, you know, Alabama's defense is good too. Yeah, they are. And uh, Florida was able to shred them. I think Florida has a very, very good offense. I think Trask is, uh, you know, probably one of the great stories of the year. One of the great stories. Probably underrated though, right now, because he, he, he had such a quick arc or a quick uh, sort of meteoric rise. And then he's had a couple of games where he hasn't been brilliant. Right. Wasn't and great so, against LSU. That was a right. subpar game. Came that on last, against Alabama, though, to, I think really showed people what he can do. So that was the 08 season, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that was Tebow's January, last January. season. So it was January of 09. And uh, it, was the, it was still the BCS championship game back in the day. Uh-huh. And it was 24-14, actually. It was, and I remember it was a it was a close game until that, you know, jump pass that Tebow had in the uh at at, at sort of the very end to kind of make it a, a two score I game. I, mean, I, I thought I thought they kind of handled them in that game. Maybe. I think maybe uh-huh. Oklahoma came on late. I because I had a friend who's a former Oklahoma gymnast, and uh, I was texting back and forth with him during that. And I remember early on, watch that at your old place, as a matter of fact, uh, where you lived with our good friend Jerry Isinger. Watch that game there. Um, but I, these are, these are different, different teams. Again, I just, and I've said this and I think you've seen it play out. The Florida defense's inconsistencies are what cost them an opportunity to play for the, um, in the playoff, really. I mean, I think they losing to Alabama certainly makes sense, uh, given Alabama's depth of talent, but Florida, that probably should be the only loss on Florida's resume and they should be in, in the mix and they're not because of their defense. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. They've had a they've had an exceptional elite offense all year long, if you ask me, from from game one. And uh, so I'm looking forward to a fun, entertaining matchup. And I think that it'd be fun to see the Gators try and sneak one out. That'd be a lot of fun. I think with Kyle Pitts, I would take Florida, but I think it's it's I'm, I'm sort of a push on this one because uh, of the lack of uh, of Kyle Pitts. If Florida does win and I mean, I'm not going out on a limb here. Kyle Trask is your is your MVP. There's no doubt about that. It really kind of falls to him. And he's risen to the risen to the occasion and maybe maybe wins himself a Heisman Trophy. I don't know. Or all the votes in by now because you're not supposed to pay attention to the bowl game for some right. ridiculously stupid. You know, it's like if well, I've it's hit the postseason thing with, uh, you know, <sighs> with the pro sports, it's uh, <sighs> none of us buy that. None well, of us buy that. 
again, usually the Heisman Trophy, though, is awarded prior to the bowl season. Sure. Yeah. And so so by definition, it is the truth with college football. It's not the truth with pro sports. Right. We know this. But it we shouldn't be with that. college football, in my mind. I, I, I honestly think they ought to wait uh, to that. Um, I agree. I agree as well. Now, Georgia um, is playing Cincinnati, and um, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's tomorrow. Is that right? Tomorrow? Yeah. <clears throat> so there's two top 10. So that's what we talked about. There's four games involving top 10 teams. So it's the perfect scenario, the perfect template. And I have to admit to you, Mark, playoffs. I'm going to admit something to you that, you know, because, you know, college football is my favorite sport. You all right. Yeah. You got, you got, no, I, I, may, I may, I may, yeah, I may, I yeah, may. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, may, I, better go I, get I my, may, I may succumb. I better go get my test then uh, here in a, in a bit. Um, hey, it's over Zoom. Uh, as my, and I love the bowl games. Uh, we've turned you on the bowl games uh, for any number of reasons. Both, both Jeff and I gave, gave you good reasons why they do exist um, economically for the for the kids who may be playing their last college football games. Sure. All kinds of reasons. Right by. But I got to tell you, this year, a little difficult for me to tune into some of the. A little difficult for me to tune into some of those games. It's so ironic because – this is what I've learned is that when you're trying to make a point, when you're trying to over decades, make a point uh, about something, or even in a heated argument that uh, I don't know, you and I don't aren't very familiar with that with you or, or our friends, but um, the more you push, I've never been kicked out of any of our homes. I'd like to point that out. No one has ever kicked me out. I did That's have the great, great uh, uh, what's his name? Call. Romney. Romney once did threaten to take a swing at me on stage during a show, but. That goes back a long way. So, yeah, there you go. And Romney, I believe, is leaving uh, today. Could be gone. All right. I'm not mistaken. So uh, don't even remember uh, what he looks like. At, at, at any rate, the more you push, you know, the more the more the least likely, uh, you know, your chances of success go down. Let's put it this way. That's right? psychology. It, it really is. So you, when you back off, all of a sudden, the opponent slowly but surely oftentimes comes to your position. And that's what's happening now. I backed off the bowl thing. I said, you're all right. Kids, God bless them. It's their opportunity to have a once in a lifetime experience. Why would I take that away from them? What, who am I? All that. And uh, now you're starting to see the light. <laughs> now I don't know about that. It's a COVID year, so we don't have some of the traditional. Yeah, exactly. Traditional teams involved. We've had, I uh, think yesterday, they, or day before, canceled the Texas Bowl. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because because of COVID issues, so it, it maybe a one year thing. But I, I but I wanted to come clean as the last uh, time I'll see you this year, or you know who knows you got to golf. Uh, it's uh, that I wanted to come clean and said I had a lot of difficulty not uh, watching World War II documentaries. Uh, I actually have some great World War One documentaries I've been watching. Ooh. I've dialed into the I've dialed into the play, uh, the bowl games, but. Nice. Kind of hard to stick around. It's a little hard to stick around. All right, brother. Sounds so good. So there you go. Any New Year's resolutions for you, Mark, before we get out of here? Do you have a sports resolution of anything that ties in or something else that you want to throw out there? Uh, I'm not a big one for New Year's resolutions because I never Neither follow, am I. Never follow through with them. Yeah, and look, look, you know, look at my life. Clearly, I haven't uh, even thought about New Year's resolutions, much less tried to do them. But, you know, if if uh, if it's, you know, to get a little bit healthier, to become a little bit less of a, you know, uh, screw up loser. 
<laughs> to have more of a reason to exist. Narrow that focus a little bit. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a little bit of a, Pretty you don't broad. want to be too macro on your. Pretty on broad. Your, yeah, broad. Yeah, really so But the good part about that is you could improve on a couple of things and then you'd feel like you'd met your resolutions, but yes. not really to the extent that you were thinking of when you made them. Yes. Maybe, maybe my overall resolution should just be to basically hold my feet to the fire with whatever I think is a healthy choice or decision. Number one, you know, make decisions whilst thinking through them first. That's a good one. Uh, Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I think, Oh, I haven't made a decision on that. Yes, you have. You've made a decision by not making a decision. (laughs) You've made a decision. And just holding your feet to the fire in general about some things, I think would be uh, very good for me. Odds of that happening? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, perhaps they're better because it's like, you know, what else is there to do at this point in time? But you know, there's a, a there's a few small gigs on the horizon. Uh, Maybe the D League or the booked. G League, whatever they call the 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 uh, the the minor league there for the NBA. Talking about bubbling yeah. at Disney. And uh, playing from, I think, the end of January through early March, I'll be uh, otherwise occupied. So maybe I think you ought to, you know, you ought to, you ought to just send it out. Do something that you and I would never do. Be proactive. Be proactive. Romney, sending, Romney will be out of state. You'll right. be other. You'll be otherwise engaged. I'm otherwise employed. I'm all. I'm all they have, unless they want to be- actually go with people who have experience and are younger and prettier. Well, you have experience. Uh, doing I do have some experience PA for basketball, and yes, uh, and uh, and yeah, and you could bubble easily. Sure, it might be a little more difficult for Romney as a daughter, and you know, there's it'd be you. You could you could do, and it's I, what is it? It's like six weeks. That's it, yeah. and you're staying in a hotel over there. I think they're feeding you right right up my alley, like assisted right living. <laughs> it's, it's as if it's like it's a social program, but you have to you know you have to like work work a little bit of a gig you know what if you're gonna if we're gonna give you this money you gotta take a class or do you do something so you're improving yourself sure we're 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 gonna put you up we're gonna feed you and uh you know if you can just kind of walk the eight steps to the arena sit down for eight hours Mm. and do a few games then we'll uh we'll continue that yeah that would work that would be perfect for me that'd be a good one that'd be a good one for you and just all the all the things you'd order on amazon would pile up on your porch uh, that would be the only downside because we know that in the past that's been your uh, proclivity uh, to just. Uh, I ordered a book so I could do the research, and then I left town for a year. So happened I one time. I could have Wikipedia. Happened, happened one time. Do you ever read the book? I did. I okay. did, and, and I also was able to get uh, a lot of it online as well. Not the whole thing, but I was right. able to get certain sections of it that were key for my research sure. into the Big Red Machine. Which one was oh, the Big Red Machine? That's it was right. the first one. It was the very first one. So okay. there you go. I think oh, that's the other thing. I want to do some deep dot. That maybe that should be our maybe that should be our collective. I'm not Come I on now, to it's our collective New Year's resolution, John. To do it that we actually pr- try and promote this show on a consistent basis for maybe a month to see what happens. Mm. And I think I think we should do deep dives again because that would set us apart a little bit because there's how many sports talk podcasts are out there right now? Million six. 
There's a million, there's a million six. Now we, we could be, you know, we could definitely be even in the top 3%, even in the top 1%, John. And that's still, we're competing with 16,000 other shows. Look at you doing the math. Well, it was easy. It was just, and you also know you could, you could literally have said any number there. And I would have agreed because I can't do math. I know it's so interesting. It's so interesting. It's it's a hundred blocks. It's the hundred block theory that you said. Uh, So anyway, so there it is. I think we should collectively on the air right now before the dwindling amount of listeners, because I think they were all all chiming in for Derek. Yes. (laughs) They all split. They all jumped off the ship. Once Derek left. I know he's like the opening band. That's better than the, than the closer. Yes. You know what I mean? It's exactly. like early days of Kiss. They'd go on stage, blow blow band away, and there were bands that said, "We're not going to go. We're not going to follow that." So, good yeah. stuff. Well, that's yeah. a fun, that's a fun story. All right. Collectively, we make uh, we we decide to promote the show. We decide okay. to commit to the marketing of the show for a month. Okay. What, do you, what do you say? Publicly, okay. and that includes all of these listeners. Uh, okay. All right, I'll I'll do it. Uh, I thought you were going to say we commit to doing at least one deep dive a month, or at least a deep dive for January. I kind of prefer that with my gig going on right now. I kind of prefer that you do that, though. It may actually benefit me because I have all this time in the car to listen. I can do audiobook stuff. So, who we'll knows? Listen to other podcasts as well about we're, the about the yeah. topic. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. So, so I there think you go. we should. I think that would be. I think personally. I think that would be part of the marketing strategy is to do that at least once a month. So I assume that's going to be part of uh, what we okay. discover. And certainly I would be up for the January one as well. Cause I'm, I'm uh, kind of chomping at the bit to do another one. All right. Fair enough. There you go. That's what you heard. People is beckoning. It's a great year. Great. 72 Washington football team. Oh my God. In yeah. 73, I was a, a mascot for the Washington football team. I could show pictures and, you know, See, that'd be perfect for the uh, for the multimedia deep dive, which you hate. You hate anything multimedia because I it involves really visual medium. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look but at it. Would be fun. It would it would cross over uh, your first deep dive, which was the Oakland A's, mm. uh, Swing and A's, whatever they call themselves. The amazing and, A's, and the amazing A's. It was the big red machine. That was the first uh, the second World Series of that run mm-hmm. they had. Um, we've talked about the Olympics before, you know, we the early seventies is our sweet spot because yeah. of our age. It's our sweet spot. It's when we were paying, you were, you know, you turned 12 and you were 12. Then I was eight. That's when you start watching. So we probably know as much about sports from 1970 to 1980 as we do at any other point in time. It's a good point, which is why all of our deep dives uh, haven't gone past the year 1980, with the exception, of course, of the Philadelphia one that uh, touched on the 83 76ers. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. All right, everybody, uh, have a safe and happy new year. Uh, it's good luck, people. That's all I got to say. Moving. Good luck. We, we wish you nothing but luck. Yeah, that's, that's very, very sweet of you, John, to wish everyone luck in this new year. What, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? What do you think? As far as as when when this is all behind us, when when we all can kind of take a deep breath and go out sort of at will. Is it June? Is it July? I think it's the later than that. I think it's the fall. I think by next football season, we'll kind of be at the point where, um, you know, as as long as, you know, these other virulent strains of this don't pop up. I think I think by then start loosening up in the summer. Um, We'll see what baseball does. Uh, that'll be interesting spring training as i've said these these for 2020 you can complain all you want about ceos and um 
commissioners, but they earned their paycheck and they're going to continue to through the beginning of it. So anyway, fingers crossed, happy, healthy, have a great new year. Don't go anywhere. Don't be around anyone. Don't make eye contact with anyone because we want to see you all back in 2021. Mark Ferreira, he departed. Jeff Taylor, who was sad to find out he departed, actually sent us a text. Yes, he did. Asking himself to rest in peace. Um, I'm John Pelkey. You've been listening to After Further Review. You see you in 2021, everybody. Bye-bye now.